Okay. Let's, uh, let's come back together. Parents will be making their way back in over the next few minutes, but I think we're pretty much there. Offering's making its way around. Okay, it's a real delight this morning to welcome... Do you want to, guys want, both want to stand up for a moment? Let's give a warm round of applause for JB and Persia Masindi. They're here from Nairobi. Uh, it's great to have them with us. Uh, really wonderful. Uh, JB, do you want to come up? We'll pray for you. Thank you. Uh, you you can sit down. Is that okay, Persia? I'm just seeing whether you wanted to come up or not. Okay. Uh, it's great to have you both with us. Um, JB is not just a sort of random guest speaker. The conference that we have here next Sunday morning is from the, Salt, is the leaders of the Salt and Light family of churches from around the world. And JB and Persia are part of our family. Uh, from that bit of it that is there in East Africa. We might hear a little bit more about that in just a minute. Uh, But we welcome you in the name of the Lord. We want you to have your freedom speaking to us. It really is great to have you, and I'd just like to pray for you as you start to speak to us. Father God, thank you for their safe arrival with us. And we just ask now for your Holy Spirit to fall on JB. We thank you for all of the treasures that you've put into his heart from your word. We ask that this morning he would have treasures old and new by the power of your spirit bringing your word to us. Lord, we open our hearts to receive what you want to say to us this morning. Lord, make us to be good soil. Lord, not the hard trodden path or the shallow soil or the contested soil, but make us to be good soil to receive from you a living word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Good morning. How are you? Well, before I say anything, let me ask my wife, Pasha, to come and bring a word of greetings, please. Thank you. Please take care. Take care. Thank you. How are you? I'm happy to be here this morning. It's a joy for me to be here because this is my first time to come to this church. So I feel so delighted to see all of you, the family of God. And uh, as we were taking Holy Communion, I felt so glad that we are one family. Jesus has only one family. And we are all part of that family. And it doesn't matter where you come from. We are all part of that family. So I'm glad to meet all of you. And I know this morning God has a word for us. And I'm waiting. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, Pasha. Now, thank you, uh, Steve, for that, for those kind words of invitation. Uh, Salt and Light family that we are a part of is an international family of churches that uh, we belong to. And uh, when I came in, I've been here. This is not my first time. I think even last day we had a conference here. And um, uh, the Kenyan flag is over there next to the Indian flag. And I think the next one is the French flag or one of those blue, white, and red flags in Europe. There are quite many. Sometimes I don't know whether it's Russian or Bulgarian. But they're all same colors. But nevertheless... uh, God has given us a large family. We, come from, we have got Stanley Mehta from India, Titus Ondo from Uganda, uh, myself and Pasha from Kenya, 
Wisa Mkandla and Maureen Mkandla from Zimbabwe. And then we have uh, brethren that are joining us from Burundi and uh, Rwanda. In, uh, that's in Africa. And Fraser Hardy from, us, uh, from New Zealand. And we have brethren that come in from Canada led, led by a brother, um, Ron McLean and his wife Mary. And from the USA with John Isaacs and uh, Jim Swihart. And then the biggest families from the UK led by Steve Thomas and Dave Richards and uh, Martin Dunkley and the others. And uh, the team from East Midlands in Derby. That's Mark, Mark Mumford. Uh, so that's a big team coming from the UK. And now we've got teams joining us from France. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Is it Pilonel? Do you pronounce it? Yeah, Pilonel from France. And he's brought in a team from uh, Scandinavia. There's a big team from Scandinavia led by uh, Brother Buck Hudson. Yeah, he's called Buck. Yeah, he's called Buck Hudson. And uh, uh, this uh, gentleman, he no longer comes, Hawk and Guniste, because he had a, a fire in his house that uh, 80% burns, and but God has been healing. I visited him last year. He's, he, in fact, he preached for the first time last year in, uh, in the summer when I was with him. That was his first sermon ever since the fire. And it was just, he's like a man that has come back from the dead. His hands were webbed still because of the effects of the fire. His face, he lost part of his nose, his ears. But God saved his life. And this year, Tim is joining us from not just Sweden but, and Finland, but even from Denmark now, a team is joining us. So it's a big family. So as uh, my wife says, to belong to the body of Christ, you belong to a big family. Uh, so as you gather here in Oxford in these very low temperatures, <laughs> it should be pleasing for you to know that there are some of your brothers in some very warm climates of Africa and India and uh, we are glad to know that God, and like they used to say long ago that the sun never sets on the British Empire. That one, you know, it already did set long ago. <laughs> but on the kingdom of God, it never sets. Because from the rising of the sun, when it begins to rise in, in New Zealand, to the going down of the same in Alaska, I want to assure you the name of the Lord is still being praised. And me and you are part of that family that praises the name of the Lord all over the world. And this coming week, we shall be gathering here. I'm sure Bani Kum, some of you know him, uh, who is our founding father, will be with us. And he brought us together. Uh, I think it is two years ago, we handed over, handed over to Steve in a function right in this place here. We were part of it. Some of us, Was it here or in the other building? It was right here. It was right here. Uh, when we laid hands on Steve Thomas and he took over, and now he's leading us. It is a new team. New people have come on. Uh, some have stepped aside, like Nicholas Wafula. He's no longer on the team, but we thank God for him in Uganda. He's the one who's been leading the work in Uganda for many, many years, but he has handed that over to Titus Oundo, who is joining us. So we pray with us, and next Sunday, uh, they'll be part of the service here. That's why I think I also saw it on the email. Uh, your parking, we shall take it over uh, because we are part of you. And we, and we want to thank God for OCC for hosting us. God bless you for being our hosts. Amen. Now, we come from Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, the beautiful thing about Nairobi, Kenya, we call it the land of Hakuna Matata. Yes. Many of you know the song, the, the movie, the, the Lion King, the song in the Hakuna Matata. 
they, they, they don't sing it very well like we do ourselves. Uh, we sing it better than them, but it means no problems and no trouble. Uh, but uh, that was shattered about four years ago after a post-election. We had some violence, and we thank God because many of you prayed for us, and God took care of us, especially me and my wife were in a place which was a hot spot. Had to send a word to Steve, to Dave, reach us to just cover us in prayer so we can come out safely, me and my wife. We had to come out safely by air. We couldn't drive. The roads were too dangerous. We left our car behind for about three months. We couldn't drive it back. But God was gracious. He protected our lives and those of our, our sons who are with us. God protected us and went back safely. Now, don't look at me like that. As though riots only happened in Africa, you had your own share. Last year, we are still praying for you. When I was watching it on television, I said, is that UK or Nairobi? Until I saw it is in UK. And I can tell you, it's not pleasant. It's a bad experience for any country to go. I wouldn't wish it on anybody because me and my wife were in that situation. For about five days, we could not come out of a particular place because there's no safe road out. But we thank God. People prayed. The airports opened and we were able to make it to the airport and come back to Nairobi safely. Otherwise, Deliverance Church Umoja is part of the family, uh, in the family of Salt and Light. Uh, we are a small congregation near the Nairobi airport. Next time, don't you just go to India. The flight to India sometimes stops over in Nairobi. So when they do, please, can you step off and come and visit with us? I'm giving you a past an open invitation. And as many of you that can come, come and see what God is doing with us. God has been gracious. We were planted out about 28 or so years ago uh, when we started out with about 150 people. And now we've grown to almost nine to 10,000 who gather every Sunday in free services that go back to back. It's an experience, a phenomenon you just need to come and experience. Uh, right now, we are also trusting God. We bought a, a warehouse just like you did, and we are trusting God to develop it into a bigger worship center because this campus we are on is so small. We are getting to six campuses uh, all over the city. We are taking the gateways of the city, planting a campus on each gateway. We've done one. We should be doing another one or two this year uh, before the end of the year uh, so that we'll have a family of churches that are holding the gateway of our city with an apostolic message, an apostolic mandate, praying peace into the city, especially this year. We have another general election. We are trusting God. It shall pass on peacefully. What happened five years ago, we are standing in the gap, telling God it shall not happen again in our country. And we believe as we stand in the gap, as God says in the book of Ezekiel, we shall see peace prevail in our community. Please do pray with us. Really appreciate you. Can we go to the word of God? You should have said amen. I'm in the book of Hebrews. Can I talk to you like an African preacher? Is that okay? Yeah, because you've got Steve, Steve Jones here and Keith and Steve Thomas comes. So just allow me to be myself. Is that all right? Okay, the first thing I do is that I'll come down. I like being close to the people. Because I'm not religious myself. I know I don't think he is either. So I like, I like talking from down here. Uh, is, that, is that okay with you? You will not take offense. Should I stay up there? You, you are okay. Thank you. You are a, you are a man of God. You are a man of God. 
In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, in fact, I want to talk to you a subject that is close to my heart. I was thinking, what shall I share with the church? And I felt, I just need to share about this, the building blocks of faith. Because faith is a message we carry a lot in Africa. And we talk about faith a lot in Africa. And, and, and I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, when the West send us their missionaries, they send us their evangelists. And the evangelists who came, came preaching the message of faith. And that foundation of faith was built in our hearts so strongly. Right now we've got evangelists trying at Bonke that is still doing tremendous work, especially in the country of Nigeria and West Africa, still gathering crowds of up to half a million, one million people sometimes in one meeting. And the tremendous manifestations of the power of God is being seen. And I still believe that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That what God is doing in Africa and uh, Latin America and Asia, he's still doing in this country. Maybe not in such a big way, not in such a pronounced way, but God is still at work. Thank you for that prayer of praying to the community and trusting God. In our team, we are sending a word of healing to the hospitals, and we believe God is still in the healing business. Can we say amen? And in the book of Hebrews, uh, the great chapter where there is a whole gallery of men and women of faith being mentioned, there is a verse 6 which says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I like that word because it gives us the importance, one of the reasons why faith is very, very important, and especially as a, uh, we are called a community of faith, a people following Jesus Christ, trying to have a passion for God and show his love in the community and manifest his power in the community and manifest what God has done in our lives in the community. It is impossible to do, to do that without faith. Let me tell you what, how I normally look at this. I normally tell people, if you come to the counters of heaven and you are trusting God for anything, what the writer is saying, without faith, you will not walk out with it. Because the currency that's acceptable in the counters of heaven, I'm afraid it's not the British pound. It's not the euro with all the trouble that it has. But the currency acceptable in the counters of heaven is a simple currency called faith. Let's say together, faith. I'm glad it is faith because I'll tell you why. Where I come from, whenever I want to come to the UK, I must go to a foreign exchange bureau, change my shillings into pounds. Because as soon as I land at Heathrow Airport, I may want to make a telephone call. I may want to buy a newspaper. I may have 10,000, 20,000 Kenya shillings, but W.H. Smith will not accept it unless it is changed into the pound. In the same way, when you come to the counters of heaven, you may, you may be having a check, you may be having a visa card, anything, but it's not acceptable. But a simple currency acceptable in the counters of heaven is simply called faith. And there's a good reason for it. And the reason is this. Not all the British people have pounds anyway. Especially this time when you're having austerity and cuts and cuts and cuts. The pound is becoming rarer and rarer and rarer. But you know what the Bible says, Pastor Steve? The Bible says, for all of us, God has given us a measure of faith. 
As much as you may not have pounds, you may not have Kenya shillings, you may not have the dollar, you may not have the euro, but by his grace in the book of Romans chapter 12, Paul says, all of us, God has given us a measure of faith. You may be wondering, what, what are you talking about? Look at us. I'm not a very small person physically, but the chairs we are sitting on, someone just told us that you can sit on that chair as light as it is, and it will hold your frame. Do you know something? We do. I even see my brother who's lying right there. See, all that you're doing by faith. We ride in cars by faith. We, I travel by air by faith. You're sitting in this contraption. It's actually an aluminum tube. There's 350 of you inside there with your luggage, and someone tells you you shall be flying at 37,000 feet above sea level, and after nine hours you shall be landing in London. And you know something? It takes faith just to, to buckle your seatbelt and hold on with all the turbulence. Because sometimes I'm sitting just behind the cockpit and I'm wondering, how is the pilot feeling at this time when it's all going like that? And I normally say, since he's not shouting in the cockpit, I think I'm still safe out here. It all takes faith. You see, all of us, God by his grace has given us a measure of faith. It is simply that we always apply this faith either to the pilot, to the makers of the aircraft, to the makers of the car, or even to the bus drivers. You get on a bus, you want to go to London. You'll just believe number so and so will take me to London. And you get in. Now, especially people like me who don't know your, your geography very well. I'll get in, everything looks white around me. Uh, they, they, there's no green grass because sometimes where we come from, you look at landmarks. But I don't know the landmarks. But I just believe that this bus will get me to London. It is all a matter of faith. We sleep by faith. Praise God. I've been married now for 36 years. Hallelujah. You know something? When you go to sleep next to someone, you've got to sleep in faith that they'll not kill you in the night. <laughs> Thank God. She's kept me alive up to now. <laughs> Sometimes I listen to Dave Richard. He says, oh, maybe she's thought about it several times, JB. I say, yeah, she might have thought about it, especially when I'm so snoring too hard. She must have thought about it. But thank God, she still allows me to wake up in the morning. You see, it is all a life of faith. And that faith that God has given you, that you apply to one another, to everything else, by the grace of God, Paul is calling upon us, can we now apply to God? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because whosoever comes to God, I tell people faith is important because when you come to God, you need to come in faith. And it is important because faith is that agent that connects you with the supply of heaven. You cannot access the treasury of heaven if you don't come in faith. Faith is that which connects you to that treasury of heaven. That's why Jesus can tell us, if you believe, nothing shall be impossible to everyone who believes. Some of these things we are talking about, they are possible when we come believing and trusting God. Faith is so important because Jesus makes a simple statement. And he says, when I come back, shall I find faith on earth? He values faith so much that he wonders, when I come back again, shall I find you still believing in God? Still trusting God. Still holding on to the word of God that God is able. No wonder the Apostle Paul, 
when he's writing to the, his last letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 6 and, his, and 7, he says, the time of my departure has come, but I've fought a good fight. I've finished my race. Then he says, and I've still kept the faith. I've not lost it. I'm still holding on to it. I love the prayers of Peter, uh, sorry, of Jesus for Peter. Uh, just before his crucifixion, Jesus looks at Peter. I think he was talking about what Peter was to go through in his denial. And he just tells him, Simon, Simon, Satan has requested for you that he may sift you like wheat. But then he tells him, but I have prayed for you that your faith does not fail. Because everything else in your life may fail. But if your faith does not fail, I can assure you, restoration will come back. That's why the James in his writing, James chapter 1 verse 3, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse kinds of trials. And he says, it's the trial of your faith. If we can understand that when the enemy comes into our lives, he does, he, it's not your car he's after. It's not your health he's after. No, it's not your money he's after. The devil is after killing your faith. Because he knows if he can snuff out your faith, then you have got no access to the supply of God. But as long as your faith remains alive, he can touch your health, he can touch your resources. That's what he did with our friend Job. He touched Job in so many ways. He touched his health, he touched his children, he touched his, his investments, his resources. But the faith of Job was not snubbed out. That's why Job could keep on declaring, I know my Redeemer lives. And I believe I shall still see his goodness in the land of the living. As long as that faith was still alive, the Bible says, even though a tree may be cut, that is in Job chapter 14 verse 7, and it just remains like a stamp in the ground, says, yet at the scent of water, it shall sprout again. As long as your faith is still alive, at the scent of the word of God, it shall rise again and you can again access to that. No wonder by the end of Job's life, God had blessed him with the things that he had. In fact, double what he had because Job held on to his faith. Faith is that important. The writer tells us here, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Just two things I want to say out of that very quickly. Number one, he, you must come believing that God is. Whenever I read that text, Steve, I always feel there's a word missing. Must come believing that God is. And I ask myself, is what? So I have to fill in the blank. And I got the answer because God has so many names. We know him as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tziken. I mean, there are so many that sometimes I find I cannot mention all of them. Some given to him by men whom he dealt with and some given to, uh, given to us by his self-revelation when he says, I'm Elohim, I'm El Shaddai, I am, I'm, I'm Adonai. He, he reveals himself to us and he, every time you find he's giving a different name here and there. And I realize that applies to this verse in a very interesting way. Because whenever we come to God, all of us, we don't come with the same need. We come with different needs. Like this morning, I, it was beautiful to see those parents of Joel bringing a son to the Lord for dedication. And 
Others here, you came and you have a physical need. You need God to touch you physically. Someone comes here, you are trusting God as you are praying, either for employment, for a job, for your situation, either in your home, in your family. So all of us, as we gather together, we have come with different needs. No wonder when Moses asked God this question. You are sending me to these people. You know, Moses was an intellectual, a learned man. And he's telling God, before you send me, can you tell me who you are? Whom shall I tell them has sent me? I want, give me a name, give me a name. And God just tells him, go and tell them, I am who I am. Or I'll be what I will be. I love that. Whatever God shall be, whatever you want him to be, the time you want him to be. You're looking for a healer? Welcome to our God. He's a healer. You're looking for a God who will give you peace? Welcome to our God. He's the God who gives peace. You're looking for a provider? Welcome to our God. Our God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You come to God and say, Lord, I'm lonely. Welcome to our God. He's a God who gives companionship. He's a God who shall be closer to you than a brother. He shall walk closer to you than anybody. In other words, God is able to be to all of us what we need him to be at the time we need him to be. One time I needed a savior, and he was a savior to me. There are many times I've needed him to be a healer, and I'm standing here to testify. I've seen him heal in my life. One time I've I've prayed for people, for example, in my local church. Even yesterday I was praying for people in East London who have been married for some time, and they have no children. And I remember one time in our local church, I just... I called people forward and we laid hands on them. And suddenly God just put a prompting in my spirit and says, go and ask each one of them a simple question. If God gave you a child, what will you call that child? These were about 15 couples. And I just moved from one couple to another. And to my surprise, about 12 of them had a name already they had been thinking about. And I just told them, oh, from now on, you are, we shall call you, we shall pray for you as Mama Emmanuel. We shall pray you as the father of uh, of J- one of them said JB, so I've been named. So we shall pray for you as Baba JB. And as we went on and we started praying for them as, let's pray for Mama Emmanuel. Let's pray for Mama JB. Let's pray for so and so. And as we did that, in fact, I just felt the peace of God that something had happened in the spiritual realm for them at that moment. As we called the things which are not as though they are. Do you know, I stand here to testify Of those 15 couples, we have dedicated 12 of those children to date. God answered. That's the God God of Abraham and Sarah. So sometimes when we come to the house of God, we come with different needs. But you know the beautiful thing? God is a rewarder. I said God is a rewarder. I don't know about you, but sometimes I I, I, I get frustrated when I go to a shop and I'm looking for something. Have you ever been to... A chemist, and you're trying to buy some drugs, and they tell you, we have this, we have this, but this one we don't have. Has it ever happened to you? And, and they're telling you, oh, you can come back tomorrow. And you, you feel, I need it now. And, you know, um, the, what, what used to frustrate me most were uh, spare, uh, motor car spare parts. You are given a list, you go to this shop, and they're telling you, we are Peugeot dealers, but uh, we have this and this, but this one we don't have. So frustrating. But the beautiful thing is that God can never tell you, I don't have it in stock. Whatever you come to God and you're trusting him for, can I assure you this morning, 
He has got it in stock. I tell people in my local church, you know something? Your healing is in stock. Your deliverance is in stock. Can I tell, talk to someone here? I tell my young men in the church, even your wife, you are not married, your wife is in stock. The Bible says, whosoever finds a wife, finds a good thing and a favor from God. Hallelujah. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from above. So everything we are trusting God for, he has got it in stock. He does not go out to look for it. He does not tell you, Let's, we shall ring our warehouse in Sheffield. It shall be put on the truck maybe tonight. Check with us on Tuesday morning. No, our God is able to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody again say amen. amen. Let's just, for a few moments here, let me give you just a few building blocks of this faith. The kind of faith we are talking about. Number one, it is the word of God. My, my pastor Dave Richards always tells me, before you do anything, JB, where is it in the Bible? And Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith therefore comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But I like what Isaiah says because it fits in with the season we have. As snow comes down from heaven and as rain comes down from heaven and does not go back there. But what does the earth? So that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God says, so shall my word be. Isaiah 55 and verse 10. That has come out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It must prosper in the thing that I've sent it. And it will accomplish what I've released it to do. The beautiful thing is this. The word of God is the first building block of faith. Find it in scripture. Find it in a spoken word. Thank you, my brother, when you are calling for people to speak a word on Joel. Because Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, says, Timothy, my son, remember the prophetic word spoken over you. Therefore, standing on it, fight the good warfare. When we started the church in Umoja, about 27 years ago, someone came in, not even a part of our family. He was speaking for us in the evening service. The first Sunday we started, he came to speak for us in the evening service. And then he was just, he had finished his ministry. He was actually walking out. And he just came back to me. Then we come back to the pastor. And he called me, JB. He says, God has given me a word for you. And I said, what is it? He says, God has told me to tell you, every seat you buy, I'll bring people to sit on it. And he got in his car and he drove away. And I said, what a deal. God has given me a nice deal. My work is to create the space. His work is to bring the people. And you know, that's what I've been doing for the last 28 years. Preaching the word and just standing and waging warfare on that word. You told me to create room, you'll bring people to sit in it. You know, just before I came, just, just the two weeks, I, I've been in the UK for about two weeks. Just the Sunday that I was there, uh, the last Sunday I was there, I noticed so many people were standing in the parking lot. So I told my, my fellow pastors, we need to get more tents because our building is so full, we meet three times. Now we had to put six tents outside to catch the overflow with, with screens. I told them, no, we need to put two more tents. And they put them there the Sunday. I was not even there. 
And they told me they were so full that the people came some more. They are now planning to put another two tents before I go back. So they have created four more. We'll have more people sitting outside than inside the sanctuary by the time I go back. Just from that word. When you get what God has said, you can stand on it. You can wage warfare on it. You can build your faith. No wonder the Bible, the the great song says, my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Get to know what the word of God says. Stand on that word. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, for the promises of God are yes and they are amen in Christ Jesus through us. Hallelujah. To the glory of God the Father. The second of our building block of faith is focused prayer. Focused. Prayer that has been focused. Not uh, you going to India. I've been to India two, three times. My, one of the most interesting experiences in India is that the Indian people love prayer. Am I correct? Especially as soon as you finish ministry, they want you to pray for them. And I love praying for people because I like like laying hands on people and praying for them. But I got frustrated until I came to understand. Um, I talked to Stanley Met, I came to understand it. Because someone is before you, you are telling him, what do you want me to pray for? And like a good Indian, he's shaking his head all the directions. And he's telling me general weakness. Meaning general weakness. Now, even if I, I'm not a medical doctor, even if I was, how do you treat general weakness? Where do we lay hands <laughs> for general weakness? Until I had asked Stanley Meta, what are they talking about? He said, he told me, oh, JB, just lay hands on the head and just pray. <laughs> but you know, that is a bit frustrating. But you know, sometimes we may laugh at those brethren. But you know, many times we are like that. You want to go before God in prayer, but how do you pray? Lord, may your will be done. In what area? And then there are those of us who are Pentecostals like me. Second chapter of Acts, Pentecostals. So every time they tell you to pray, what do you do? You start speaking in tongues. Paul says, when you speak in tongues, your mind is not active. You don't even know what you are saying unless someone interprets it for you. So how do you know you're even praying for your need? Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is teaching us to pray, in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 8, he says, you know something? Don't be like the Gentiles when you pray. Because your heavenly father knows your needs even before you pray. But then, in the same way, he tells them, but nevertheless, pray like this. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, don't forget to pray. Give us this day our daily. You should have thought, but you told us he knows. Yeah, but still pray. <laughs> he knows, but still do what? Pray. And be that specific. May that blesses me. The most interesting example I have is that of a man called Batamayas. I don't know how to pronounce it here. In Africa, we call Batamayas. It was a blind man sitting by the gate of a city where Jesus was coming out of. And this crowd is passing and is wondering. He, he's asking, oh my God, he was a blind beggar. Who, what's going on? They tell him, Jesus is not, of Nazareth just passing by. And he started shouting his head off, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And the Bible says, Jesus stopped. He says, bring him over. And he's being brought there. And the guy must have been as blind as a bat. And Jesus saw it. But he still has the audacity of asking him, what do you want me to do for you? You would have thought, Jesus should have known automatically. Until I came, I came to realize, do you know to some people, being blind is a commercial enterprise. They don't want to be healed. So Jesus wants to make sure, do you actually want to see or you want a loaf of bread? Or you want a new set of clothes? So we need to focus. Yeah, he knows. He understands. But tell him, I want to see. So when Bartimaeus came out so clearly, I want to see. Jesus told him, your faith has made you whole. Go your way. And his eyes popped open. Let us learn to pray prayers that are focused. And you know something interesting? Focused prayers are not long. Can I confess? I asked, can I confess? I can. Four times I've tried to raise the dead. Four times. I've not been successful yet. Because I'm still coming. Uh, please don't die on me now. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to start trying it again. It was a very tough experience. But four times I've been a team. We've tried to raise a preacher and one, a pastor's wife and so forth. But twice I've seen children uh, who are just about to go brought back from the brink of death. So I'm, 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 I'm not, not stone dead yet. I'm just, a mother threw a dying child at me one time. Right on the streets of Nairobi. She didn't know who I was. And I I pray that this child will not die in my hands and God's, by God's grace the child lived. So I've seen some of those things. But let me tell you some of the things we did. Especially when we were praying. For, we gathered together, several pastors, holding hands, praying for about six hours. You know, pressing one another's hands. You know, let's hold hands tight. Men of faith. Till your hands are... Who are in pain. Until the, the chief, the government... Official told us, please bury this man or I'll, I'll lock you all up right now. It's getting <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting experience. But I'm so humbled when I look at Jesus coming to the grave of Lazarus. Nobody's standing with him. He's alone. And he doesn't pray a long prayer, not six hours. He says, Father, I know you always hear me. I'm saying this for the sake of these words, that they may know you have sent me. Then he turns towards the grave. Lazarus, please come out. He didn't do, not please, no, come out. <laughs> and the man comes out. It is forecast prayer. It doesn't have to be long, but it has to be in faith. Can I give you one or two more? Next one is his hope. Hebrews chapter 11, where we've just read, verse 1 says, and now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Always as a person of faith, don't allow your hope to die. Whatever your condition, whatever your situation, whatever is happening in your life, please don't allow your hope to die. Because it's when we become hopeless that depression sets in. But as long as you have got that belief that my God is still able and God is able to change things for my sake. And that's why I teach people in my church, yes, you may not be healed, but just don't just say, God has not healed me. 
just say, God has not healed me yet. Please don't put the word yet. It means you still have got hope in you. That God shall still come through for you one of these days. Abraham was barren. His wife was barren. They were past age. And the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 17. Who in hope believed against hope. Because he trusted in the God who is able to call the things which are not as though they are. And therefore, chapter 11, verse 11 says, Therefore Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. When she was past age, because she counted him faithful, he who had promised. Don't allow your hope to die. In my local church, I normally tell people to write a prayer every year. I give them blank sheets of paper. Tell them, write things you are trusting God to do for you this year. Then we receive them. We pray over them together with the church, with the elders. We lay hands on them and believe God. And at the end of the year, we have a thanksgiving service. There are people I still tell them, I know you wrote five things here. How many of them are fulfilled? Some will tell me two. I'll encourage them. Write the other three again for next year. Because that's hope. How many years do you think Abraham kept on writing a son? A son. 25 years. Since God promised him a son, for 25 years, Isaac had not come. So every year, Abraham was still trusting God. This year, this year, this year, my son will come. And for 24 years, that boy did not come. So when Abraham was 99 years of age, that's when God comes and tells him, by this time next year, your son will be with you. Never, never lose your hope. Continue trusting. Continue believing. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Don't allow your hope to die. The Bible says, now there are three things. Faith, hope, and love. Of course, love is the most important. But faith and hope are very close cousins. Don't allow your hope to die. Whatever is happening in your life right now, keep your hope alive. And when your hope is alive, something else we should, will come in very quickly. When your hope is alive, something else that comes in very quickly is that you'll start getting a picture. Because that's the next sentence in that verse. We, we, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Allow God to give you a picture. Whenever uh, Brain Franklin teaches on, on prophecy. It's always, I saw, therefore I spoke. And many times what my brother was asking you, the prophetic people, is what picture are you seeing for baby Joel? So that the parents can look forward that God's word was spoken over you. And this is the picture that they saw about you. And you know, sometimes you don't understand that God is able to give you a mental picture of yourself. And that picture Many times, it's not just for the present. It's for the, thing, for the days to come. My, I was challenged by, is it David Yongicho or Paul Yongicho? I don't know what name he uses now. The, the great Korean pastor. When I met him first in 1983, he came to preach for us, uh, to us in uh, Amsterdam during the Billy Graham conference. 
And that time as he was speaking, I was so, we, we had not even planted the church in Umoja. It was just a year before I went to Umoja, 1983. But he, I was so blessed as he was walking. He was a small man. He's walking up there. And then he walks on his side and says, have you ever seen a pregnant man before? And I look at him and say, no. He says, now you are seeing one. I said, what? He says, I'm pregnant. Because that time he had 250,000 people in his church. And he says, I'm expecting another 250,000. And sure enough, when I went to visit Korea in 1995, 12 years later, he had a million. Because every time 250,000 came, he believed to go for another 250,000. He kept on believing for a quarter of a million. So every time he says, I see another quarter of a million coming in. I see another quarter of a million coming in. Right now, I don't, I, I'm not, I've stopped following because it is such a large congregation scattered all over the city of Seoul, Korea. Why am I saying this? It is important. When God is dealing with us, even if he's dealing with people like Abraham, he just gives him a picture of a city whose builder, whose founder and builder is God. And that leads the life of Abraham. What changed Enoch's life? Enoch was changed from that gallery of the, the founding fathers of humanity. He lived the shortest, but that man lived the most fulfilling life because he had a vision. The right of Jude tells us he had seen a picture of the glorified Christ and his church. With that picture, it changed the life of Enoch completely. And for 300 years, he walked with God because he had seen something in God that the rest of the people had not yet seen. I always pray for God's people. May God give you a picture of yourself. Not in the present, but in the future. And when you see it, let it encourage you to walk in faith. Trust in God. That I've seen something in God. Look at this young man called Joseph. His father did not have a picture of him. Of where he was going. His brothers didn't have a picture of where he was going. But God gave him a dream. And with that dream... He saw his brothers bowing before him. And they hated him for it. In fact, they almost killed him for it. They sold him into slavery for it. And you can see, as he went into Potiphar's house, what do you think sustained him? Is the picture he had seen. As he goes into prison, what do you think sustained him? Is the picture he had seen. Until he sat in a place one time, serving under Pharaoh, making sure the world does not starve. He saw his brothers coming in. They did not know who he was because time had passed. But he knew who they were because they were his brothers. They thought he was dead and gone. But the vision that God had given him, the dream that God had given him, sustained him. I pray for you. May God give you a dream and a vision as you walk in faith and let that vision hold you and sustain. I'll give you one more and we close. I'll come back and finish. I've got about nine, but I cannot give you all of them. The last one. Paul says this. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Obedience. Obedience. They, had, they ran out of wine in Cana of Galilee. Then they went to the mother of Jesus. Please, we've run out of wine. And she goes to Jesus and says, son, they've run out of wine. What can you do for them? Jesus is 
it sounded a bit rude, but we'll sort him out. Sort it out when, when we get to heaven. Why did you talk to your mother like that? Because as an African, I cannot even repeat the words. How can you call your mother a woman? You know, in Africa, you can't do that. <laughs> but children cannot call their mother by name. They only call her Mama Joy throughout. But he still gave a prescription in John chapter, chapter 2, verse 5. He told them, whatever he tells you, just do it. I like that. When you know, you know God's word, when you have prayed focused prayer, when God has given you a vision and a picture of where you are going, the best thing is whatever he tells you, just do it. Don't struggle with it. Do it. As I close, let me tell you this. Every miracle you see in scripture, I can assure you, came as a result of someone obeying simple instructions from God. Just check it out. Sometimes the instructions are so simple, and that's why we struggle with them. Sometimes they make us look stupid like Daman. Just go. You want your healing? Yeah. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. It, to Naaman it looks, my God, there are better rivers in Syria. How can you tell me to go and wash in this Jordan which looks more muddy and muckier? I should have. But someone told him, excuse me, sir, permission to speak, please. And they have permission granted. Suppose he had asked you for a bigger thing, money, gold. Would you have given Yeah, I would have given him. I thought you'd come out. Whenever I talk on this, it's like Naaman is saying, I thought you'd come out like Bruce Lee. You can see how old I am. And you look at my sickness and say, what? Whoa, what? Ah! That's what he expected. But you know something? Elisha never even went out of his house. He sent his servant. Go and tell him. That must have offended <laughs> Naaman. Because Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army. He had come with protocol, with a letter from his king. And this prophet does not even bother to come out and receive me with protocol. No salute, only sending me a servant. See, what you need is the word from God. Whoever brings it is not the issue. Receive the word. And when you receive the word, do it. And when he did it, Naaman was healed. The story I'm talking about, the Khan of Galilee incident, is very interesting. When Jesus tells him, just fill the pots with the water then. They fill it too. You know, that was, that was the easy part. Fill the 12 pots with water. Then he tells him, now, uh, please draw some and give to, them, give to the master of ceremonies. I don't think that was easy. I don't think there were many volunteers there. There are many volunteers to go to the well and fill the pots. But taking a cup to the master of ceremonies, I think the volunteers were very few. Because everybody said, Steve, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I know that's water. Looks like water. They are expecting wine in there. Who is this geezer? Who brought him here? Who came with him? I've not seen him before. Who even invited him to this wedding? I don't think it was that easy for someone. To, but I, I thank God there was a courageous man there who drew some water and took it to the master of ceremony. And there, the best wine had been made by the one who makes all things good in his own time. And it's my prayer for you. 
that whatever he tells you, do it. You may struggle with it. It may look like you don't understand it. It may look foolish. It may look so simple. Like one time he just told me to give my shoes to a preacher. And I struggled. I was sitting on the front row like Steve here. And the preacher was preaching and his shoes were torn. And I just bought myself a brand new pair of shoes. And I really loved those shoes. Because they were called the, the, the designer's collections. They were first. My first designer's collection. Made by Butter Company in Africa in Limuru, Kenya. Fantastic shoes. Only for, I bought them for about six pounds and fifty. This many years ago. God tells me, just give them away. There's, those are not your shoes. I said, oh no. And you know, as soon as this preacher finished preaching, he came to sit next to me. And God tells me, now give him those shoes. And I'm wondering, God, my shoes. So, do you know how you do it? You take off one shoe, tell him to try it on, and hope it doesn't fit. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing. Yesterday. Okay, can you try this shoe on? And he tries it on, and he says, oh, JB, it fits well, it fits well. I knew my shoes are gone. So I gave away the second one. I went home in my socks. My wife thought I'd been robbed. What happened to you? I said, no, I gave them to someone. The Lord told me to give them away. And I've seen God supply from then on. Sometimes it looks so simple. It looks like unnecessary. It does not look intelligent. Like a learned man like Moses. Can you imagine Moses lifting a stick over the Red Sea? Must have looked stupid. Someone must have been laughing. Said, I knew there's something wrong with this man, but this is gone beyond limits. We, an enemy is coming behind us, and all he can do is to lift a stick over that water. But that's what saved them. I want to finish with the words of Mary. Whatever he tells you, do it. Can we tell our neighbors? Look at a neighbor you think you like and tell him whatever he tells you, do it. Can we pray together? <laughs> Can we pray together? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity of strengthening the faith of your people because we are a community of faith. We believe in this invisible God whose true image and likeness has been brought to us by Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you because we see you in the pages of the Bible. And today, Father, we've looked at the portion of your word, allowed it to speak in our lives, and Lord, I thank you. I don't know where my brothers and sisters are in their walk with you. But I pray that the word we have brought shall strengthen their faith and their walk in you. Lift their chin up. Lift their eyes up. to Look to you and trust you. God who is able to meet every need. With whom all things are possible. Lord, I pray you shall make possible what they are trusting you for whether it is in physical health, whether it is in whatever social life, whatever area of their lives, Father, we believe you. I bless Pastor Steve. I bless this church. I bless the elders. I bless those working with Steve. I bless everybody here today. 
in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, And again we said, Let's give the Lord a hand clap. I know it's cold. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for in this house. God bless you.